boom, boom. I also I took a twenty five milligram edible about twenty five minutes ago, so nice. It's gonna kick in at some point. I'm saving. I almost took an edible, but I decided to save it for the smoke. Oh, so you can, do too, so you can yeah. go to sleep, right? That makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sleepy baby time. <laughs> I think about the movie Baby Geniuses and how none of them were asleep ever, and that's why that movie is such a bang. <laughs> <laughs> that is why that movie was so successful. Because <laughs> <laughs> the babies yeah, weren't, they weren't asleep. asleep. They were awake doing crazy baby shit, military taking over the world. Yeah. Shit. I didn't know what a bomb was, but when I watched that, I knew it was a bomb. Exactly. <laughs> no, I mean that in the most negative way possible. You that watched movie. Baby Geniuses and you said to yourself, this is a bomb. No, I'm saying as a kid, I didn't know what a bomb was. Oh. Like, you know, this is a stinker. But like I knew, like somewhere inside of me, I'm like, this is different from other movies I've watched where it's just like, oh, I didn't know that. There's I, like a cheapness to it. Okay, we must not be talking about the same Baby Geniuses <laughs> because <laughs> that's crazy talk. So the way you're thinking about Baby Geniuses is how I see Spy Kids, which is the superior... No. Movie about smart kids. Baby geniuses literally crawled. <laughs> so that spy kids Whoa. could run. I can't even argue that. Exactly. It's, it's hard to argue with like that. The most perfect use of that phrase. <laughs> hey guys what's up welcome to comics and chronic we got cody cannon here we got jake fh here we got me anthony ianaccio here and joining us today is chip zadarsky what up chip hey hello how's it going chip pretty good yourself pretty good 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 great yeah thank you so much for doing yeah, this. this is awesome yeah my pleasure last time we saw you I, i'm now seeing your face for the for first time last time uh, was at la comic-con I, I know, I know. I was all covered up, and I was hairy and scraggly, and I cleaned up just for you, gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this is a formal podcast, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. my pleasure. We're thrilled to talk. Woo! <laughs> uh, so, like Jake said, uh, so we saw you at LA Comic Con. By the way, your line was always so long. Is it like at every con? Do you just have like a huge rush of fans coming up to you? It's uh, yeah, it's been weird because like because I came into comics with Sex Criminals, and that yeah. was like insane. That was like a line that's just like yeah. was nuts, and it was a weird way to enter comics. So now it's just like, oh, Batman line is whatever, but like. <laughs> It's, it's it's weird. It feels less to me now. <laughs> working on Batman, of all things. Out of all the the major cons between New York, San Diego, and L.A., which one would you say is your favorite? Oh my god, um, it's hard to say because it's been so long since I like L.A. con was like L.A. and New York were like my first two cons since like 2019. So oh, wow. um, oh. and like some shows have changed. Like I'm, I'm doing Emerald City coming up. And that used to be my favorite show, and I don't know if it is anymore because the last time I did it was like 2017. Whoa, what's Emerald City? <laughs> That's Seattle. Oh, nice. Yeah, oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, that was really fun. Heroes is great. If you guys have ever done Heroes, no, I haven't done that. That's in uh, that's in Charlotte. Oh, nice. I'm about to write that down. It's it's awesome because it was started by a comic shop, so it's all comics. There's no like like celebrities or sci-fi or horror stuff. It's just straight up comics. Nice. But but it is the South, so there are some like Confederate flags. <laughs> <laughs> and you're you're based out of New York, correct? Toronto. Toronto. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm a Canadian. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. You're yeah, right. I noticed a poutine shirt, so I, I assumed that either. was for me. Yeah, yeah. You're not the first Canadian we've had on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Who the fuck have you had on? <laughs> we had uh, uh, we had Matt Boris, Ben Clarkson. All right, all right, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I accept that. I feel like we had we had more Canadians, but I don't know. Yeah, it's an exclusive club here on Comics and Chronic. <laughs> oh, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm honored. <laughs> <laughs> honored with a U. <laughs> um, so, what was it like your first dip into comics, being working alongside Matt Faction? It was wild. I mean, before that, I did um, I, I did my own little comics. Uh, I had a comic called Prison Funnies and a comic called Monster Cops, uh, just like black and white stuff that. I would put out like one a year and I would do shows and, you know, in my younger days where I would just like hope to make the money back for the table. I would usually blow it all on booze and, uh, get to <laughs> get drunk on the convention floor. It was, uh, it was a different time. I was younger. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was, I, I was doing that like every once in a while and I would do comics online and I was a cartoonist for a newspaper. That was kind of my gig. Like I, I did like kind of, uh, political humor and kind of, cartoons and videos and all sorts of illustrations and things for a newspaper. And, uh, and I was just buddies with Matt and yeah, just one day I was, I was kind of getting bored of the newspaper gig and I was like, we should do something. He's like, yeah, yeah, we should, shouldn't we? And we'd done a music video together before that. We were both fans of the, um, uh, kind of a listener supported radio station called WFMU. And, uh, because we were fans, we were kind of, we helped with the, the, pledge drive and we worked on a music video together and that was our first time working together it was like oh no this really works and so like I, I said we should do a comic he's like yeah i got this idea about a couple who when they have sex time stops and they rob banks and i'm like i'm in <laughs> I mean, obviously yeah and then that was like a thing we were just doing it for ourselves like matt was kind of getting out of marvel at that time, he was kind of frustrated. Yeah, that was was that right after Hawkeye? No, I mean it was like. Or was that before Hawkeye? God, I think I think Hawkeye and Sex Criminals came out almost around the same time. But like, okay. but he oh, had that crazy. interesting arc because he came in like as an indie guy, and like, uh, like, I think his first few things were like he did a Punisher, kind of a more jokey Punisher series, and kind of worked his way up, and then got Iron Man, and then like then he was on X Men, like he just kind of like yeah. ramped up. I think he was just absolutely miserable on X-Men. No. <laughs> and uh, like the higher up you go, the more miserable you tend to get because then you have to deal with like the fans hating you. Yeah. Like no matter, no matter what, right? <laughs> if, you, if you're just doing your yeah. kind of fun little book, it's like fine. Like if I'm doing Howard the Duck, like, oh, I get her fan letters. But you know, once you start yeah. doing Spider-Man stuff and Batman's like, okay. <laughs> and so he had that, that rise and then he did like an event called Fear Itself. And I think he was just burnt out and he was just like, oh God, I can't do this anymore. And I think Marvel threw him Hawkeye as like a bone. They're just like, you're on your way out here. You want to do a book about Hawkeye? Like no one wanted a book on Hawkeye. And so I think he said yes to that. And at the time he was eyeing his way out. And that's when he, him and I hooked up to do sex criminals. And both of us, I remember we had one call where we were working on it. And um, he said, you know, we're going to be canceled at issue three, right? I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. No one's gonna read this. Like, it's insane. Like, it's not a book that people are gonna read. And then when issue one came out, it was like everything just kind of changed. And next thing you know, we're kind of traveling the world promoting it. And um, yeah, so that was that was wild. I mean, it was wild for him. Like, I knew it was special because even he was surprised having done X Men and all these big books. Like, oh, this is what a crowd looks like. Hmm. <laughs> like <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. 
So it's, it's kind of a strange thing where like I've done a lot of stuff since then, but the biggest and best thing I'll probably ever do is sex criminals. Like it's a, it's a bit of a weird feeling. It's just like, okay, you just got to accept it. You're just like, oh, hey, that's going on my tombstone. Like that's the book that's going to, you know, become a movie or a TV show one day or like make me the money like for the rest of my life and take care of my family. It's like, okay, I, I, I did that. And now it's kind of downhill from there, except I'm, <laughs> except I'm still doing like fun, cool stuff. So yeah, it's a little weird. It's been 10 years. Which is wild. Yeah. Uh, Sex Criminals came out right around. I didn't, for some reason, when I was younger, I like lost interest in comic books. And then yeah. uh, when I became friends with these guys, they kind of reinvigorated oh, nice. uh, the passion for me. And Sex Criminals came out uh, like a couple years after I got back into them. And nice. big fan, huge fan. Oh, cool. Thanks. Actually, I just realized this mug is from Matt. World's okayest friend. That's <laughs> <laughs> a great mug. Yeah, yeah. Sex Criminals was great. Like even my wife has read Sex Criminals. She's by no means like she she reads comics, but like that was one of the first comic. Like I'm obviously a huge comic book fan. I was like, I I want I want you to read some comics too, and like she went towards Sex Criminals, and it was like that's what opened up like her world to comics, which I think is awesome. It's the wife comic. Like that's what I've noticed <laughs> like, at, at, at comic conventions. Like. If, if I'm looking at the lineup, if I see a couple, I'm like, oh, okay, this is the comic. Like, they're both going to bring me sex criminals. And the story is almost <laughs> always the same. The husband got the wife into it. Um, that was another thing I had to kind of deal with. Like, the lineup it shows and the readership of sex criminals was, like, young women for the most part. Like, um, or it skewed heavily young women. And it was funny doing it because I was doing the sh- shows with Matt. And so all I was signing was sex criminals because it's all I'd done. And like when you look at the line, you could you can actually pick out like oh there's the Thor guy, <laughs> oh there's the Iron Man guy. They usually weren't very happy. <laughs> they were just like okay, dutifully in line to get like an entire sack of Thor signed. Whereas the Sex Criminals fans were like yeah like young usually female like excited, um, yeah really into it. Nice. No, I think that's awesome. I think not a lot of comics gear that way towards an audience like that. So yeah, I think that's yeah. cool. Is there yeah. any plan to uh, turn sex criminals into a TV show? There's always plans. There have been plans since day one. It's like one of those projects where, like, well, as soon as it came out, we just started getting flooded with like requests from producers and directors and things to turn it into something. And um, it's changed hands a lot. Like, mm-hmm. at first, it was Matt and his wife, Kelly Sue, had an overall deal with Universal. So, Universal had the rights and they were going to do something. And then and Matt was writing scripts for it. And then that kind of fell apart, but then they brought in Amazon and it was Amazon universal. So it was like kind of double the notes and it got weird. And Mm. I think everyone there was fired. And, uh, (laughs) and then, so yeah, and like, you know, Matt's written so many drafts of a pilot at this point. Um, but then, yeah, yeah. Recently there's like some more news of people interested and like, I've got all these contracts to sign. I'm just like, Oh, okay, (laughs) here we go again. It's like, it's literally like 10 years of like, Once in a while, you get like a tiny like check for an option, and you're like, okay, all right, that's uh, I'll sit back and like something happens, great. If it doesn't, we've got the comic. I mean, and your portfolio is crazy when it comes to the characters you've written, and uh, even what just what you're doing right now. Like you have so many indie books that have recently come out, uh, Public Domain, uh, Stillwater. Uh, What do you? This might be a weird question, but like someone having never read. If someone's never read a Chip Zdarsky comic, would you want to push them more towards like your big two work or maybe something more indie? It's so weird. Like, my problem is 
I do so many different things that it's really it's impossible to say. Like a smart author would pick a lane, and stick to it, build a brand, and like you know really think about that kind of stuff. Like there's a reason, you know, Tom Clancy writes fighter jet books or whatever he writes. John Grisham writes <laughs> law books. Daniel Steele writes romance. Like because you know that's the way to build an audience. You know, Daniel Steele wouldn't write a romance book and then a sci-fi book and then a fantasy book. <laughs> like you should just yeah. have no audience. And I. I'm always astounded when someone says they're a fan of mine because I'm like, what? Like, I do Daredevil and I do Jughead. Who's <laughs> <laughs> like, picking up both those books? Um, <laughs> but like, but like, as consumers, like, like I'm sure when you guys like uh, read books or watch TV or movies, like you're not like, well, I'm a horror guy. I only watch horror. Yeah. Like it's just like th- those people are so few and far between. Yeah. You 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 consume all sorts of stuff, and I feel like as a creator, I want to make all sorts of stuff. I want to do like stuff for kids and for adults, like weird sex stuff, and then like <laughs> you know, newborns like a crime book, but like then I like superhero stuff. Um, so it, it's hard. Like I, I would usually just say to someone, like, "Oh, what are you in- what are you interested in?" And then I could kind of I could guide them, swerve there. them towards a book of mine that makes sense for them. Nice. Yeah, like I mean, probably the favorite thing that I work on is Captara, which is like a really dumb sci-fi fantasy book which is like filled with jokes and background gags it's probably my least selling thing i've ever done <laughs> but like but it's the thing i i, I love the most because i'm working with my friend on it nice. and so that's nice. the book i usually want to put in people's hands hell yeah okay so that's one i'll have to buy i, I honestly have not read Capitara. i've read a lot of your stuff but no. i just i haven't read that it's a weird one. It's like the first thing I kind of did after Sex Criminals because all of a sudden we had this heat and I'm just like, oh man, I, I should put out a book and a uh, buddy of mine, Kagan McLeod, he's an uh, artist on a book called Infinite Kung Fu. It's <laughs> also awesome. You guys should check that out. It's amazing. Infinite it's Kung like Fu. post-apocalyptic Kung Fu book. Like yeah, really, it's... really good. Um, he's one of the best artists I know and uh, super funny too. We work together. Some of us like, let's just do this book together. And yeah, like making comics is hard. He did five issues and then he burnt out. It's just yeah. like I gotta, I gotta do some quick illustration jobs to feed my children. I'm like, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> and so it was years. It was like, I want to say six years between issues before we oh, kind of wow. picked up the second volume. And I did that last year through my Substack, and they're coming out through Image now. But nice. it's gorgeous stuff. He's yeah, he's super talented. Hell yeah. Nice. Uh, so you got into it kind of drawing, and now you're more writing yeah. focused. Uh, do you prefer that? Um, it depends. Like. I'm a bit of a control freak, so I like the, well, it kind of fucks me over both ways, really. Um, <laughs> like, it's interesting. Like, when I was doing Sex Criminals, it's like any critique of the book fell on Matt. Like, that's that's mm. the one thing. Like, I was free of it. Mm. I was I was just, mm. I, I do my dick drawings. And, like, <laughs> and it's the kind of thing with an artist, you either like the artist or you don't like the artist. Right. It's not like you yeah. like the artist and then, oh, this month, I hated the art. That's, like, well, that's, that's not that's usually point. the case, but with story, people can like love one issue and hate the next issue, and love one issue because they're bringing they're bringing different things to it themselves as a reader. So I got to watch like Matt get like a bunch of praise on Sex Criminals and also like critiques, whereas I was just like fine. <laughs> and so and so and so that makes it that's somewhat easier because you just put your head down, you just do the work, like yeah. a, a page a day, boom, boom, boom. Like you've already kind of got your fans, and and that's it. And I, I like that. That was nice. Um, but writing is faster, much faster. Nice. 
Um, yeah. It's a it's more satisfying, probably emotionally. I think for me, nice. uh, doing doing the writing, like completing a page, is really satisfying as an artist. You're just like, oh, it's like a breath of relief when you finish a page. Like, oh, that's that works. Thank God. Yeah. Or it doesn't, and you hope no one notices. Um, with writing, it's like, yeah, yeah. You definitely you, you feel more emotions when you're writing. You're like when you when you write a thing that really stings or works, you're just like, oh, this is this is the best feeling in the world. Um, yeah. And then also like seeing amazing artists bring it to life is awesome. Like that yeah. you really feel like a god. You're just like you type like <laughs> type like an army uh blows up downtown New York and that takes me like five seconds and takes an artist like three days and it's gorgeous. And I'm like that's a that's a pretty fun feeling. Um unless it's a bad artist and it's like it's the worst feeling. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen like some of your scripts like as bonus like one of them I'm thinking of is Jughead and the way like you just give notes to the artist like you're just kind of having a fun conversation with them that's hilarious. Well that's I mean I learned to write from Fraction like like those are the only scripts I ever read and his scripts to me are just like Hey Chum, all right. Like maybe we do this or maybe we do that. I don't know. What the fuck do I know? Blah blah blah. Like <laughs> it's it's totally just a letter that he's writing to me. And so I just kind of do it that way. I didn't really know that there was another way to do it. Yeah, once in a while you're put in a position where you're writing a script you don't know who the artist is. And that's that's very awkward. <laughs> Cause like, yeah, like it's hard to picture for you and like you're addressing it to no one or just in general. Mm, yeah. Um and comics is such a collaborative medium. Like usually there's only two to three people kind of working on it really. And mm-hmm. um, so it should be a conversation. It feels like at that point, like, For like sure. why not? Yeah. Um, my best relationships have been with people where I'm able to kind of like, yeah, talk back and forth and they can be like, ah, I don't know. How about this? I'm like, yeah, sure. That sounds good. Or yeah. yeah that makes sense. I just read public domain, maybe like a month or two ago. Okay. It felt like a very personal story between, the character and his father is that based off of anything uh real um i mean a little bit there's always going to be a little bit of you know me and my dad and something like that but uh but for the most part it was it kind of stemmed from uh i do a podcast not to plug another podcast on your podcast <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, yeah please plug i do i do one called manga explaining with some friends <laughs> where that's a great name manga explaining <laughs> i know it was one of those things like i went with i went with a bunch of buddies to japan before the pandemic and i don't read manga really I, there's a couple things but i don't really know much about it and and all my friends that i went with are in the industry like they're editors critics authors um so while there like we're going to all these like amazing manga shops and like museums dedicated to creators. I'm like, I don't, there's a whole museum dedicated to like a, a bug that rides a motorcycle. Like I have no idea <laughs> <laughs> what, I'm, what I'm looking at. At some point on the trip, I said, we should do a podcast where you guys explain this stuff to me. Uh, we'll call it manga explaining. And they were like, they were in, and it hit, it hit us at the right time. Cause like then the pandemic. And so we were able to kind of keep in touch that way. But like basically, every week we would read a new manga that they would recommend to me, and we've done a hundred plus episodes now. So I'm I'm starting to become a bit of an expert. <laughs> one of, one of the things I noticed was so much manga. Well, well I, when you look at like the North American market, the non manga market, like so many of the books you can easily slot into different genres. Like oh, this one's like a, a cowboy vampire book, or this one's like a it's a romance sci-fi or this is a fantasy, but it's, uh, whatever, like, or fantasy meets superhero. Mm. Whereas in, uh, the Japanese market, there are so many books that were just kind of based on the interests of the authors. 
So we'd be reading a book on ping pong or like golf or uh, rice. Like I, you know, I read a whole book about <laughs> rice, uh, a book about like a, a wannabe radio DJ, like a lot of real life stuff, but it was mm-hmm. clearly just like a specific interest of the creator and not really just like a, a genre take. And so yeah. I started to think, I'm like, after reading so many of these books, I was like, God, what are my interests? And then <laughs> I had the sad realization that it's just comics. <laughs> like, that's it. And so uh, at first I got depressed. And I was like, well, I, I most of the nonfiction stuff I read is like history of the comics and uh, interviews with creators and things like that. Like, I, I really love that kind of deep dive. And so that's when I realized, okay, I guess the comic I'm doing is like a comic about comics. Mm-hmm. The very hack idea. But like <laughs> but, it, but it's true. It's the thing that I really love and the thing that interests me and especially the the push and pull of kind of creative rights within the industry. Um so that that's kind of how public domain came about. Like it's it's personal it's personal in terms of observation because I've I've known a lot of comic creators over the decade I've been in the industry who have struggled with the idea of like maybe being ripped off by the companies or mm. not given not given enough credit. Yeah. Um I'm I differ from them one I'm not popular enough to have been ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> um but also I don't care. Like like I I had the, the good fortune of coming in with sex criminals which I own. And as I, uh, I often say, sex criminals paid for my house and Marvel and DC paid for my groceries. Ah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> like it, that's just the difference in terms of what the, the income's been yeah. between owning a thing and not. But because I've always had that as my kind of opening into comics, I've never been desperate financially. And so, yeah. uh, and, I, and because I've seen my friends go through these problems, um, I know the deal coming in. Like, if there's going to be yeah. like, if the next season of Daredevil features Electra's Daredevil, my feeling is like, okay, that's fine. I, I, I can do that. Like, maybe Marvel sends me a check for five grand. Maybe I go to the the premiere and like, and that's it. Like, yeah. and and I'm okay with that deal um, because also that only worked because of all the work that came before me. Like, mm-hmm. like I didn't create Daredevil. I didn't create Electra. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. but I'm I'm working off the 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 goodwill towards those characters when I do a tweak or I do a different story with them. So that would never have become a popular thing if it wasn't for the fact that those characters were already fully baked by the time I got them. That's a good point. So, yeah, we're we're each kind of getting something out of the deal. So, so on a personal level, I'm I'm fine with Marvel and DC just doing whatever they want with um, the stuff I make. I don't. Uh, yeah, it doesn't keep me up at night, but I hate seeing my friends kind of go through it, right? That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there are different periods in history. Like DC historically has been really good at that kind of kind of creator compensation. Marvel sometimes gets it right, you know? Yeah. So uh, your next big book is the – your next run is Joker Year One. How yeah. does it feel to be like changing – kind of continuity for current DC of such a iconic character. Well, I mean, it's more like added continuity. Um, that's one thing I, I kind of wanted to stress to DC and I don't know if their marketing has stressed it enough. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm trying to make sure I'm hewing as close as I can to the continuity that's been kind of set up uh, mostly by Scott Snyder. Nice. Um, because yeah. that was kind of like when, when he, during his run on Batman, when he did Zero Year, like that was a bit of a departure and kind of a fresh new take on on Joker and the Red Hood stuff. Yeah. By the way, we have a Zero Year episode. Anybody listening, you can go check that out. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. <laughs> and um, 
and you know even beyond that like um uh tom and mitch just did a great kind of joker like a the batman's first meeting with joker story in that brave and bold anthology oh, and so yeah. i kind of i kind of looked at those and I, I wanted to make sure like okay we're not stepping on the toes of either of these we're dancing between the raindrops um we're kind of filling in the more of the gap between when the joker goes into the acid and comes out and meets batman Ooh. Uh, okay. as jo- so it's like it's, there's that gap. It's a little bit of like a Joker gets his groove kind of series. Ooh. Right? <laughs> nice. You know, nice. he's a, he's an interesting character because like everyone plays him a little bit differently. Some people play him as like oh, it's just a kind of a, a you know a madcap clown character. Some like Scott really played him as like is he like a demon who's lived forever? Like is he this supernatural force? Like, yeah. um, and I prefer to kind of maybe hit somewhere in between there. Like maybe you kind of question, you know, uh, what's real and what's not with, with the character, but we definitely kind of show him like figuring things out a little bit, you know, like, like Joker, he didn't come out of that acid bath with like superpowers and super intelligence and like, you know, being able to handle himself in the fight. So it's like, okay, well, what happened? What happened in that, in that period? No, it's so cool that you're able to, and and any writer like yourself, find those gaps within the continuity. Like even with Batman, the night, that was one of my favorite recent Batman books, by the way, the way you just fill in that gap where like Bruce is like training to be Batman. It was such a good story. Uh, Thanks. And that was was a weird one because that was kind of my, um, I guess it was my audition for Batman really. Like in hindsight, because um, the editor on that was the Batman group editor, and he was like, "This is a bit of a challenge," but like I'm thinking about doing like a story about Bruce Wayne before he becomes Batman. So it's a Batman book without Batman in it. Can you do it? And I was like, "Yeah, I think so." And when I started to think about it and kind of write up my ideas, I'm like, "We can only do it if it's like ten issues long." He's like, "Oh, wait, you want ten issues of Batman not being Batman?" I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> because you kind of need you need you need an issue for each location, and in some cases, two issues for a location. So you can't just do like just fucking five issue training montage, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know? So you have to really kind of tell the story and, and uh, he was good with it. And, and the artist Carmine was so awesome to work with on that book too. The fact that he managed to draw 10, 30 page issues um, and they all came out on time is amazing. I mean, we were slightly lucky because I started working on it during the pandemic. So that became like a pandemic project. Like, all right, I'm <laughs> sheltered oh. in place. All I'm doing is writing about Bruce Wayne. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, that, that, was, that was a lot of fun. There's going to be elements of that story too. I mean, it's already been kind of popping up in the Batman run, but but I'm definitely kind of tying some stuff from there into the run. Very cool. Nice. I like that. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. I like I like the long term planning of things. Like Daredevil was very much like that, and I kind of I'm trying to continue that a little bit with Batman. Yeah. With Daredevil, so I I brought this up a while ago on the podcast. How does it feel that you're the guy basically that made weed legal in the Marvel universe? <laughs> 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 well, yeah, 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 I know. It's funny. It was a bit of a race because like I was working on the story and I was doing a lot of research into kind of New York drug laws, and I'm like, oh, like it's about to become like legal legal and like the story's got to kind of come up before that happens <laughs> to make it work <laughs> um yeah i didn't even think of the weed connection there good job <laughs> <laughs> so I'm here, that's what comics and chronic is all about <laughs> do our research yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> do you? I, I, I forgot if we talked about this at LA Comic Con, but do you smoke weed or 
Partake? No, 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 I can't. I, um, yeah, I, uh, my sense of time just disappears mm. and my brain falls apart. <laughs> like no, no matter the dosage. So I just can't yeah. like, like there was a, there was an instance, you know, it's been legal here in Canada for a while and, um, I've never really done it except for kind of like bit of secondhand smoke as a teenager. And yeah, my next door neighbor was like, Oh yeah, you know, your wife's out of town. Come on over. I've got a gummy and you can have a bit of a gummy. I'm like, yeah, sure. All right. And I hung out with him on his front porch and uh, I couldn't keep track. Like he had a buddy come over and I couldn't keep track of their conversation at all. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck, fuck, fuck. And next thing I know, he's like, buddy was nuzzling into my neck. (laughs) I I realized he's in the middle of telling a story and he's showing me the thing from the story. Whatever the story was involved a neck nuzzle. I was like, oh, I was like, what the fuck? Oh, oh, God. And then at at some point, I was like, I gotta gotta go. I gotta go. And I got up and I walked uh, home next door and I went up into my bedroom. I was like, I just got to make it through the morning. I just don't kill the, don't kill the cat and make it to the morning. And I remember, I remember I laid my head on the bed and I turned the lights out. I looked at the clock and it said, you know, it was like uh, 11 o'clock at night. It's like, all right, just got to make it to morning. And I opened my eyes and the light is on and it's 1030. So I traveled back in time half an hour. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, like this night's going to go on forever because I'm I'm lost in time. I'm bouncing back and forth through time. So the whole night was me just like <laughs> closing my eyes, opening them. Maybe it's some time had passed or maybe I'd gone back into the past. So it, <laughs> so it felt interminable. It felt horrible. And like the next morning, like my neighbor, who was um, a bit of a drug connoisseur, he was like, <laughs> I am so sorry, man. Like that was a whole new gummy that I had not tested out. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Like it was it was the worst. It was the worst. And even after that, like, you know, I'd I have trouble sleeping. So I went and I got some uh C B D for sleeping and then at one point I got some C B D with a touch of THC. Fucked me up. Just fucked me up. I, <laughs> I was just watching a movie, I'm just like, I can't keep track of what anyone's saying. Like I just like my my memory deletes every three seconds oh, wow. it felt like <laughs> and when i'm watching a scene on 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 the screen i'm also seeing all the people all the production people <laughs> off to the side <laughs> i'm like so the illusion's gone and i'm just like oh, why oh god and, and that's just like a small amount just to go to sleep yeah. and so i like, so i can't do it i'm just like yeah, it's it's I'm, I'm off of it. Funny you say the production thing. I was watching maybe like a month ago. I was watching uh, Inglorious Bastards on like a really nice high def TV, but it was yeah. almost too high def for its own good <laughs> because specifically it was the scene in the bar right before everyone gets sprayed, you know, killed, and sprayed. You could almost tell like where the lighting was intended off camera. It just looked like a set more than anything, and that it was yeah. like too it was yeah. too high def, and I was like, oh well, now it just looks like a set and doesn't look, you know, like it did in theaters. Where well, kind of question? Were you also too high def? Probably. Like no, you're like deaf high. You were definitely high. <laughs> yeah, more than, I mean, more than likely it was. But yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't help. <laughs> I do appreciate this though from LA Comic Con. You yeah. drew the whole oh, legally, yeah, yeah, yeah. legally high, <laughs> legally high. <home. laughs> awesome. Just watching you do this, I was at that time. Me and Jake had had an edible, so I was just staring, you watching you do this, and it's, the way you did it so fast and just like so. You're so talented, it's, dude. It's it's so fun, and it's funny. Like 
I mean, that's how I've kind of always done it um, since promoting sex criminals. Like, I would do these really cheap uh, at the time, it was like 20 bucks for uh, a chip's choice, my choice, 30 bucks for someone else's choice. And it's just brush and ink and water. And I just, I really love doing them for people because one, it's nice that people get original art. Like, I like that. Hell yeah. And two, I just, I know they like seeing the process. Like, uh, something kind of gets revealed as I'm working on it. And um, so I, I really like those kind of interactions. And it's funny, like, since I, I took some time off shows and then I signed up with Comic Sketch Art, which is like the group that kind of manages a lot of artists at shows. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, I'm, mostly known as a writer now so i guess i won't do those drawings and i'll just like sign books and i did new york comic-con where i just like sign books and i did like maybe a quick little batman head sketch on a book um i hated it i hated it i hated the whole process i hated i hated being managed i hated all of it um i hated charging for signatures like that's just like a whole fucking weird thing but like it's how i get my work visa so i'm like god like i gotta sign with the company and the company needs to make money so I, I didn't like that at all. So like when you saw me at LA Comic-Con, that was me kind of stopping doing that and being like, no, no, I just want to do sketches. Like I'm going to make a lot less money. It's going to hurt my hand and uh, <laughs> uh, it's going to like eat up my time, but it's it's much more fulfilling. And I feel like if someone's paying me for something, even if it's not a lot, like a piece of art is something. Like yeah. a sketch on a book yeah, is yeah. not something. Yeah. I mean, I can pull your signature off the internet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I, think, I think my deal there was like, I was trying out. I'm like, okay, like if I make it out to someone, then I won't charge because it's clearly for them. Yeah. And if someone just wants my signature, then it was like five or 10 bucks or something like that because they're clearly like hoping it's going to go up in value. <laughs> Even that I don't yeah. necessarily like, but I've got to make yeah. the company that brings me their money. Um, <laughs> it's yeah commerce ru- ruins everything but yeah i, I want to keep doing those sketches <laughs> i know there's gonna be, it's gonna be hard at some shows just because of lineups like la was a good show yeah like, I don't know, really did was. you like it yeah. i loved it yeah that was both our first time going there yeah it was really chill was like super chill yeah. like it was nice that you could actually walk around because the show yes. I did before that was new york comic-con That's, which was like a death we trap. were also in new york comic-con yeah we were there too we said yeah. the same God. thing there was more space at la comic-con to move yeah yeah exactly like it was yeah. actually possible to see you at la comic-con but new york yeah. comic-con no way i was just like I i'm not it was like wrapped around i'm just like yeah. damn like yeah so i'm worried about there. doing sketches at, at shows like that because um, yeah, my lines like during the height of sex criminals, I know my lines were like about three hours long, wow. uh, but because I was doing the sketches, right? Yeah. yeah. Like it kind of artificially made me seem more popular than I was because people would see like, <laughs> look at that line. It's like, yeah, cause he's insanely slow because he's doing super high Hulk sketches. <laughs> uh, but I, but I want to keep doing it. I don't think I can go back to, even though it was the one time where I was charging for signatures, it just didn't feel right. So yeah. Sketches. Um, Spider Man. I love Spider Man, so I want to bring up Spider Man. There's, uh, <laughs> there's an issue in your spectacular Spider Man run called My Dinner with Jonah. I fucking oh, yeah, yeah. love that issue of Spider Man. That's like what oh, has cool. to be one of my favorites ever. That's awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun to do. It was a it was a challenge to kind of get not get past editorials. Not like I'm trying to con them, but the, I got a little bit of pushback, which is kind of funny because. The big thing was like, all right, if you're going to reveal the identity to Jameson, like, how are you going to undo it? Like, that, that's always their concern is how are you going to reset a thing once you kind of let the genie out of the bottle or whatever? Yeah. I'm just like, like, it's like the easiest thing in the world. I, I think I said to him, like, I don't know, Professor X fucking wheels up in a wheelchair and goes, you dang, can't remember. <laughs> like, it's not like the Daredevil identity, like where everyone knew and it was a whole worldwide thing. Yeah. Or 
like when yeah. Spider-Man's identity was like worldwide, then you had to really come up with a solution. But like, if one cranky old man knows the identity, yeah, we can undo it. Don't worry. There's like, there's like <laughs> 900 psychics. You know, <laughs> universe that can handle that. But yeah, that was that was a lot of fun to do, and uh, and I got to do it with a fellow Canadian, Mike Walsh, which is nice as well. Nice. nice. Yeah, and it, it, the cool thing about that was just like seeing the fact that it stuck. Yeah, it really did. Like, it was it was it was maybe my first time doing a Marvel book where I did a thing, and then I got to pick up someone else's comic where you got to see that thing in that book too. Like, because because Dan Slot was doing Amazing Spider Man at the time, I think he was doing it with uh, Stuart Immonen, and so there was like a whole subplot about like Jameson knowing and like seeing Stuart Immonen draw something that is even tangentially based on the stuff you've done. Is it makes you feel kind of part of the Marvel universe, which was really cool because I did Howard the Duck before that, and like it's its own thing. Like, yeah, I'm pulling elements of continuity, but I'm not contributing to the continuity. Yeah. <laughs> but on Spectacular, it was like, oh, this is like this is my contribution to continuity, and it's still going. Like, that's the thing. It, like, yeah, I know Nick Spencer kind of kept going with it. Uh, uh, I don't think Zeb's done a lot with it, but like, yeah, it's still part of the part of the continuity which has been yeah super satisfying nice that's awesome you healed the relationship between jay jonas jameson and peter parker you're, you're yeah. <laughs> yeah for now i mean everything gets reset right like yeah there, there's not a lot you can do about that you don't want to make you don't want to make the kind of the antagonistic figures too kind and too sweet and too mm. like too friendly because then you lose what kind of makes them interesting mm. you know yeah, yeah agreed yeah, it's it's always hard because like so many villains get reformed, and then people yeah. get really mad when you make them a villain again. It's just like, well, like <laughs> <laughs> these books have been going on for like 70, 80 years. Like we kind of have to reset yeah, those, bring or, back around, or else, yeah. or else we got no villains. Yeah. Um, are there any characters you haven't written for that you I would like would love to write about? No. No, the uh, and it's funny. I've never really, I've never really had that. I, like I know a lot of writers kind of had their list. Um, and I was just like happy to do whatever I was doing. Like it was never about the character. It was more about like, oh, do I have a story to tell? Like if if I just kept doing Howard the Duck, I'd be happy. <laughs> uh, and there there have been some characters where Marvel or DC have offered them to me, and I'd be like, yeah, I don't have the story, or uh, the story I have in my mind isn't strong enough. It doesn't matter the character. I was I was actually funny. I was saying this to um, some other Marvel writers, some ex Marvel writers recently, where. It feels like when you start out in comics, um, you do kind of like have titles and characters that you want to follow and like and 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 put your mark on. And then at some point, it becomes about the editors. It's who do, who am I going to work with? Editors and artists. Like it doesn't matter what the character is. They came to me and they said like, "Well, I'm actually hockey is a great example. Like the fact that Fraction was able to work with David Aha and like." make the, the best what book a stellar comic the, yeah, best, yeah. the best book ever um when he's a kid he, he probably never would have said like hawkeye right <laughs> <laughs> but, like, but that was a book with like a great editor and a great uh, collaborator collaborators and um and that's why that that really worked super well so it's 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 really not about characters for me especially now like it's funny on on uh, batman the editor I was working with, Ben Abernathy, he just quit DC and he moved over to Skybound. And I took it quite hard. <laughs> I took it mm. quite hard because like, I love working with that guy. Like The editor who's, who's come in uh, is fantastic. But uh, you know, but ben, Ben's over at Skybound. He's doing like G.I. Joe Transformers stuff. I don't know anything about G.I. Joe Transformers. 
Yeah, I was saying to my wife the other day, <laughs> like I'd be willing to learn about GI Joe and Transformers to work with Ben again. Nice. <laughs> like nice. It, th- th- those books would never be on my my checklist if I had one. But the fact that uh, Ben Abernathy is working on it, it makes me want to work on those titles. Like it's a, it's a very different thing for me now. Huh. Yeah, my Marvel like. I'm doing this Avengers book right now with um, yeah. Daniel Acuna, but um, but the draw there was Tom Brevoort, like the editor. Like he's uh, he's the best editor in the business. Um, he's cranky. He's cantankerous. <laughs> if you read his newsletter, he, you know uh, um, he could throw you under the bus at any moment. But he's the best. He's the best guy. Uh, like he's got the best story notes. Uh, he responds well. Um, He's super conscientious. Like uh, I love working with that guy. He's an editor that, again, if he offered me like a book that was like, I don't know, here's like a speedball, um, I'd be like, yeah, all right, yeah. If it's with you, I'll do it. <laughs> nice. what, what makes like? Because I honestly, as far as like editing within the comic book realm, I know next to nothing about. So, what makes a good editor a good editor? Responsiveness is is, is huge. Like if when you ask a question, it gets answered relatively quickly. Like the production schedule is so bonkers and being an editor is is an incredibly hard job. It's always being the writer and the artist and everyone. Um, If if there's no answer for a question within a couple of days, you've lost a couple of days. Like, um, and that's no good. So like, so in terms of scheduling and kind of making sure that we have the information and the materials we need to kind of do the job, that's, that's really key. But Tom's thing is, he he'll give you notes and he'll give you suggestions. And if you say, I don't agree with that, he'll be like, okay, prove me wrong on the page. Nice. Like he, he makes sure the ball is in your court. Like there's the, the, the infamous story is he was the editor on captain America when, um, when Brew Baker made Bucky the winter soldier. And if there's Mm. one person who is fully against that idea, it was Tom. Oh really? He's he's old school Marvel. He's just like, Nope, there's, there's like only two rules. Uncle Ben doesn't come back and Bucky doesn't come back. <laughs> really? Like that's in his head. Those are his rules. That's crazy. And so, so he, he pushed back on it and he gave Ed suggestions and stuff. And like, and Ed's like, I really think this is the way. And so Tom was like, all right, prove it to me. And it worked. And, and, yeah. and so like with Tom, he was my editor on Spider-Man life story. And, um, that was one of the most rewarding kind of writer editor relationships I had because I broke everything down into decades and I kind of wrote out what I think should happen. And Tom would come back with notes of his own and I come back with my notes and we, we just kind of went back and forth. Like it's not that it's co-written by Tom, but like he definitely gives you ideas and he gives you like ways of thinking of a thing that maybe you didn't think of before. And he's fine. If you disagree with him, like these are all suggestions. Whereas there's some editors that they're not suggestions. Mm-hmm. They're just like, no, the character doesn't do that. They do this. You'd be like, well, no, like <laughs> I'm writing a story. So to prove that the character does this because of this, and you know, you had to explain yourself so often and, uh, and you get shot down more with, with certain types of editors or just, you'll fight over a word and you'll just be like, why are we fighting over a word? Like, um, <laughs> rewriting is another thing. Like, you know, I've, I've been rewritten by editors and uh, that's never good. Do they not tell you sometimes? Is it? Is it like? No, a- yeah. They're, they're sometimes, or you'll kind of argue about a thing. Like they'll try to rewrite it, and you'd be like, "Actually, no. It should be like this because this is what I intended." Mm. Yeah. And you won't hear back from them, and then they, you'll get the issue in in your hand, and you'll see that it's not your words. Oh, that, geez, that would piss and me off. And it's like, 
Yeah, yeah, it, it happens, but you at least want them to own up to it, justify it, and like they have to have a real, real good reason to do it. As far as I'm concerned, you know, their their names on the book, sure, but like when someone's reading it, they're not thinking like, hmm, that's a weird phrase, you know. I wonder if the editor wrote that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's, just, that's just not a thing. Um, you know, editors deliver you bad news, and like Tom, Tom is straightforward with it. He's also, I feel like I'm just going out about Tom now, but um, <laughs> um, he doesn't give compliments if he doesn't mean it. Nice. nice. And some editors would just be like, this is great, great script, great whatever, great, 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 great. And it's just like, it means nothing at some point. Yeah. And also yeah. half the time you're like, I don't think he actually read it. <laughs> 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 kind of catch editors in like a little bit of lies. Like you said this was great and now you don't, you don't recall what happens. Like, <laughs> so, so with Tom, it's funny. It's like, it's kind of like having a relationship with a dad who's withholding. Cause like he'll send in a script and he'll write back and go reads good to me. And that's it. That's all you'll get. And that's a high compliment. Yeah. Like, oh, well. He didn't like it. Then he'd start giving you notes. Yeah. But if he's just like, yeah, this works. Oh, like nice. <laughs> I have a, I have a, I have a text thread with um, the fantastic four writer, Ryan North. Who Tom also edits, in which whenever we get the slightest bit of praise from Tom, we call them compliments and we send them to each other. Compliments. <laughs> 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 it's, it's, it's not that it's rare; it's just that it's, it's always very muted and very real. And uh, and again, I appreciate it because you always know where you stand with them. Yeah. Like if he doesn't like a thing, he'll tell you he doesn't like a thing. But Tom is okay. Again, about Tom. So I did a <laughs> I did an issue. It was a one-shot, a Namor one-shot for a kind of a Defenders mini-event. And it was kind of the lead-in to an Invader series I did with him. And so I wrote this 30-page uh, Namor book. And it, it got all the way to the, to the week of sending it to the press. And art's done, lettering's done, it's ready to go. And Tom writes me and he goes, this is one of the hardest emails I have to send. But I'm, I'm rereading it all together. And it doesn't work. I'm like, what? <laughs> he's like, he's like, the motivations don't work. Uh, Namor is um, unlikable. Like, we have a lot yeah. of issues here. Um, it needs to be rewritten. And I'm like, what's well, going to the print? Going to the printer? He's like, I know. So the art's locked. You can't change the art, but you can change all the dialogue. So here's my suggestions. And he gave me a bunch of suggestions. And I just spent like a day frantically rewriting an entire script oh, to wow. change motivations, to like do all this kind of stuff. Um, any other editor, I'd be furious. But because Tom, he's right. Like he's telling you as it is, and he was correct. And I was like, okay, all right. And he's in it with me. Like he's doing the work with me. He's like, he's staying up late at night, giving me suggestions as well. Like he's not just saying, yeah, rewrite it. I'm going for coffee. Like he's in the trenches with you, which is really nice. Nice. So yeah. Nice. So that's that's a sign of a good editor. Um I, I really haven't had too many bad experiences with editors. And if you do, you also kind of understand that like the pressure they're under is enormous. Like the stuff they have to deal with from above and like, you know, making sure that they make X number of dollars for the company every every month. It's like it's it's wild. It's wild. See, like there's a real burnout rate in comics. Yeah, I didn't know for that. For editors. My only definition or understanding of editor is strictly like in regards to like TV or film. So I was curious as to how a comic book editor uh, comes into play. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're with you at every step of the way. Cause they, they, they look at like your pitch and like 
they go back and forth with you on the pitch. They go back and forth on like the scripts. They, you know, they give notes on the art. They, they make sure it coordinates well with the other books too, because that's another big thing with Marvel and DC. It's like, well, okay, I can't, I can't use Black Widow here because she's been murdered over there. Like these are <laughs> yeah. these are things that like you know the editors have to keep track of, mm-hmm. to make sure there's a consistency in the books. Um, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot covers and solicitations and dealing with like egos and problems and late, late artists. And yeah, yeah, it's hard. That's crazy. That's cool. Yeah. Thank you. I didn't know that. Um, you had brought up the Avengers comic you're currently doing for Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. Love the idea behind it. Uh, super cool is, do you already have like a finite, like, is this going to be an ongoing series or is this going to be like a no. mini, se- like a six, like 10, 12 issues here? Or, you know what I mean? This is a weird one. So this is something that I basically wrote in 2019. Oh, like, okay. and then that other Tom approached me. He's like, he's like, I've been batting around an idea for like a future Avengers story for a long time. And he had notes on what he was thinking. And he's like, I think you'd be good for it. And like, I came back with kind of my pitch based around a lot of his notes and um and so we were kind of like we were off to the races and then we brought in daniel acuna and again this is around 2019 and then the pandemic happened and like i was still writing the scripts the art kind of slowed down because like there was that whole period where nobody knew which projects were going forward and which weren't and tom really wanted to make sure this was still going so kind of it kind of kept going and like i'd written all of them there were six issues they're like 30 page issues okay. six issues yeah, I think I wrote almost all of them by 2020, or at least by the end of 2020, and uh, and and a lot of it's just been waiting for Daniel to to illustrate it because he he paints it all really. So they're digital paintings yeah. and they're 30 page issues. It's a lot of work. So yeah, it's very strange for me for it to come out now because I'm like yeah, I'm like oh you've been yeah, it's been in your past for years. I know, and there's so many that. things in there where I'm just like that. You know, I wrote pre-pandemic, pre-Trump free all sorts of stuff yeah. where I'm just like, Oh my God. Like a lot of the stuff I, I wrote in 2019 kind of happened in real life. <laughs> since then. <laughs> or like my thinking has changed on it. Cause like, you know, if you read issue one, if you read all the issues, it's like, it's all about like, you know, Captain America and like this kind of, uh, this government that's lying to everyone. And it's very much, a can't trust government thing. And then, like the pandemic happened, and I was just like, "Please trust the government, <laughs> please." <laughs> please. <laughs> so I've I've had kind of weird ups and downs with it uh, myself. So it's, it's it's really interesting having it come out now because I'm reading it almost like as a separate person. I'm reading it just like, "Oh wow, okay, this is interesting." Oh, I hope it holds up still. Like, um, I think the themes still hold. They'll feel a bit too close, especially once we kind of, <laughs> once we get towards the ending. There are some things in there where I'm just like, like if you didn't know that I'd written it before, um, you'd think that I was a bit of a hack. I'm like, oh, you're just like doing this. That just happened. I'm like, no. I'm not. Did you have them storming the Capitol? Did you know that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, all, it's all stuff like that where you're just like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll see how it lands. But, I mean, people seem to like issue one. I've, I've had a lot of nice feedback. And um, even Tom just wrote a nice thing in his email today, his newsletter where he said like issue three was like one of his favorite Avengers issues. Nice. He never told me that nah. <laughs> in his goddamn newsletter. I was looking through my email to see what he said about it. And I, I don't think he said anything. He just sent it to the, the artist said, 
Script's ready. Son <laughs> <laughs> of a bitch. <laughs> Dad, why, won't, why don't you love me? <laughs> See, comes full circle back to public domain. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so true. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you have a lot of stuff coming out now. Do you have any more indie projects that oh, yeah. you're excited about coming out? I mean, yes, but I can't talk about them because they haven't been announced yet. I'm doing... I'm doing like three different books. Um, I'm doing kind of a an interesting one that we haven't announced yet. It's kind of a spinoff of Public Domain. Ooh, nice. Uh, what else? Like Newburn is ending. Um, Stillwater has ended. A lot of a lot of those books are ending, and I've kind of got new stuff kind of coming out in replacement of it. Public Domain still going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just did a photo shoot for issues nine and ten. Six, seven, and eight are all done. Uh, just got to get them all done before I, you know, start soliciting. Uh, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to write, draw, color, and letter a book while you're doing Batman. Um, Batman oh, tends to take up a lot of your yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you reading anything by any chance, or you just don't have time for that? A lot of it's just kind of. I mean, I've, I always say I've got three piles next to my bed. One is stuff I want to read. Then there's stuff I have to read for work. <laughs> and then there's the books that my friends put out that I feel obliged to read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The pile of stuff I just want to read, just uh, I almost never, I almost never get to. Because <laughs> yeah, because the big thing is the manga podcast. Like I'm basically reading like you know 500 pages of comics a week for that. Yeah. Damn. Because they're like, oh, here's a volume of manga, and it's like 500 pages. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's tricky. That's crazy. So are are you also are you like the kind of writer like before you're like jumping on Batman? Are you doing like a deep dive as much as possible, or are you just you have ideas that you're pulling from that you're you've already read based off Batman or I mean, any character? With, with different characters, the answer is different. Like when I cut on to Howard the Duck, very easy. Because there's like there's only there's like forty issues of Howard the Duck that preceded me, really. Um, so I could I could catch up again pretty quickly with something like Daredevil. I I've been reading Daredevil since I was a kid, so uh, I, I really I just went back and kind of reread Brew Baker's run and Bendis's run because it was kind of the tone nice. that I wanted. But like, but I've already read all of it, and I was reading Charles's run while he was doing it, so I didn't need to do a lot of catch up there. Um, I did Spider-Man Life Story. I gave myself the stupid task where I made myself reread all of Amazing Spider-Man. So it was like 800 issues. Oh my God. Um, I got very confused in the 90s. (laughs) 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 Almost every issue ends with pick up Spectacular Spider-Man or Web of Spider-Man for the continuation. Oh God. But I I didn't want to miss anything, right? Because Life Story is about the continuity. Right. Yeah. And with Batman, like it's impossible. You can't read all of Batman. Like there's just, <laughs> there's just no way. Um, like, but again, it's a book that I've been kind of reading monthly, you know, for years, at, le- at least since when Scott was on it. So yeah. Scott and Tom and James, um, I, I already, I already kind of knew all that stuff. So really it, it became a matter of like, if my story involved a character that I needed a more deep dive on, then I would, go and kind of find other stuff. It's much harder writing DC books than Marvel Why is that? because Marvel's only ever had one continuity. Whereas DC is like, right. I'm like, oh, who knows Batman's identity? Like, oh, it depends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking pre-crisis, post-crisis? Are you talking New 52? Are you talking yeah. uh, Rebirth? Like, yeah. Are you talking like... That makes sense. Yeah, so there, I mean... And so much, there's so many question marks as to like what happened and what didn't happen in DC continuity. 
since like Scott kind of did a bit of reset with the dark metal stuff. And and my old Batman editor, Ben, he was the kind of guy who's just like, if we say it happened, it happened. Whatever. <laughs> like continuity for him was just like, does it help the story? Great. If not, okay. Um, so it's super, super hard to like determine who knows what and what happened to who in a DC book than it is a Marvel book. Because at least you can go to the fan Wikipedia of any Marvel character and no matter how convoluted it is, like, <laughs> oh my god, like Doc Doc Ock, like, <laughs> like his history is like insane. Like everything's happened to that character. <laughs> but at least like at least I can read a chronicling of that and understand it. So um it, it's easier to kind of write those characters. So what you're saying is it's not clear if weed is legal in the DC universe. Oh. It is not. It is not clear. It is not clear. <laughs> It'd be funny if it was like it was, it was like basically legal, like as a midnight of this one day, and Batman's out there beating up like a weed dealer, and then all of a sudden midnight strikes. He's like, "All right, you're good to go." <laughs> he's just that strict with the law. <laughs> nice. Well, thank you so much for coming. On. Yeah, thanks. Jake. Oh yeah, yeah. This was pleasure. great. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was gonna say my favorite weed comic is i don't know if you guys ever read uh, hellblazer yeah um, constantine yeah yeah one of my one of my first good issues I, I picked up of that was like the month that vertigo started and everything got rebranded it was like um garth dennis and steve dillon and it was john constantine's like 40th birthday and so all these like weird magic characters kind of show up and like zatanna or whoever and like swamp thing shows up at one point and like basically makes a bunch of weed for them. Oh, <laughs> so it's all like Constantine, like oh, nice. rolling, rolling the biggest joint you've ever seen and getting high. <laughs> yeah, we need to do that issue. Yeah, we're doing it. We're, co- we're going to have to cover that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think That's there's so a scene crazy. of Zatanna, like staying backwards. I'm so fucked right now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really, it's one of my favorite runs in comics. Like, That's awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's really awesome. Do you believe in the stories where people claim to have seen him in real life? Well, John no, because he's not real. But <laughs> <laughs> but it's like I mean, it's like it's a, I mean, it's easier when it's like a, just a guy. Like not a lot of people can be yeah. like, yeah, I've seen Batman in real life. Like, <laughs> yeah. like it's, just, it's, just a, it's just a guy who looks like Sting wearing a trench coat. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're fine, pal. <laughs> I, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I love the magic of comics. I love Grant Morrison and Alan Moore and and all that stuff. And like, is fiction real? Is reality whatever? Um, but once again, I, I have a half a gummy and I can't move. So um, <laughs> you've never uh, left the porch, Chip. I've never, I've never left the porch. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, All right, Chip. Well, thank you so much. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah thanks for this having me, guys. Awesome. Yeah, and please come back anytime. Sure thing. Yeah, we'll tag you and send uh, every you know, let you see everything before we post. That's it, fine. You know. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're not doing that, Cody. Why? We can promise. Okay. We're gonna yeah, deep yeah. fake everything. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, thank you so much, man. Awesome. Very cool of you. Cool. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, man. All right. I'm out of here. Thank All right. Take it easy. Hi, you're listening to Comics and Chronic, and I'm Jacob H. I'm Cody Cannon. And I'm Anthony Iannaccio. And you can tune in every Thursday to hear new episodes of Comics and Chronic. And make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at Comics and Chronic. That's Comics, the letter N, Chronic. We'll see you guys next week. Woo! Peace.